Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Good to be with you this morning, and um, we are going to be finishing off our series, um, looking at at really how God has given us the opportunity to become intimate intimate with Him, intimate with Jesus. Um, and I want to just say that as we finish our series, we need to recognize and remember that we are not finished with pursuing intimacy with Jesus. That the things that we're talking about, these things need to be habitual in our lives. And so we, we've talked um, in the last months about how Jesus in Matthew 6 even just kind of points us towards tools and disciplines that can draw us closer to him and deepen our, our affection for him and, and give us a, a greater um, ability to abide in him and, and experience all the things that he has to offer. And so we talked about uh, uh, meditating on the word of God as a pathway to intimacy. We've talked about uh, giving as a pathway to intimacy uh, with God. And, and oftentimes, I think for, for me, thinking about giving as a duty or an obligation more so than a pathway to intimacy with Jesus. And, and, and we've talked about prayer and how prayer isn't just crying out to God because we're in trouble or we need something, but prayer is that peace that, that we draw near to God and we become more intimate with Jesus. And, and then most recently, we've been talking about fasting, which is probably the thing that is the most foreign to most of us because we've grown up in, in our culture and in even our, our church culture. And, and so it's, it's a little bit more foreign to us. And so a couple weeks ago, I, I talked through what the Bible says and, and, and talked through fasting. And last week, Kyle did such a great job talking about fasting. And I think sometimes things that are most foreign or, or alien to us, oftentimes we can wrap our heads around those things better when we have conversations that kind of process those things. And so this morning, um, what I want to do is, is kind of invite you into um, seeing and, and kind of hearing and processing with a conversation about fasting. And so I've invited a couple people um, to join us this morning. And we want to kind of have not a scripted, but kind of a conversation. We've done some talking and we talked last hour. And I don't know if we're going to say the same things, but, but um, I'm looking forward to it. So I want to invite up uh, Courtney Kaufman and Matt Soderlin to join us this morning. Um, and I'll let them introduce themselves. You, you're familiar a little bit with them, but yeah, you can, you can clap for them. And, and, I, and I chose them because, um, because I think they have some cool things to offer because of their experience and, and, and kind of what they've been, uh, kind of been able to look at. And, and, and so um, I'm really excited to get into this. And, and so um, I want you to know, first and foremost, as we, as we start this morning, um, what we're doing this morning is not prescriptive. This conversation is not telling you what to do, okay? Um, this, this conversation that we're having is more on the level of kind of being descriptive of some things that we've processed, some things that we're processing, maybe some things that we're doing that we're involved in that ideally will be of benefit and help to you in your processing and your taking next steps 
potentially in fasting as a way of becoming more intimate with Jesus. Um, my, my heart, my goal, my vision for this morning is, is that this would be helpful for you and encouraging for you so that you can maybe step into something or at least have greater knowledge, greater awareness and, and understand what, what fasting really is. And so with that, um, I'd love, Courtney, if you wanna introduce yourself uh, and then I'll have Matt introduce himself. So as Matt said, my name is Courtney Kaufman. I am a uh, marriage and family therapist and I actually work, we share a parking lot. I work at Youth for Christ running the Family Concern Counseling, the ministry, counseling ministry there. Um, I am a specialist in areas of trauma, eating disorders or disordered eating or, or food insecurities, things like that aren't necessarily my background. And so just as a disclaimer, as he kind of said, we're not telling you exactly how it's supposed to go. Um, if you come to me and that's a main concern, I'm actually gonna help you find a specialist, right? And so I only know enough to say, okay, here's some of the, the red flags, here's some of the stuff to watch out for, um, and then push you towards specialists. And so I'm not a medical person, you know, I don't have a medical background, I'm not um, a medical professional. and so you'll hear from a perspective of sort of relational and emotional health, um, and that's kind of where, where my realm is. Well, thank you. Matt? Uh, my name's Matt Soderlund, and as you're looking at me, I picked the wrong color of shirt this morning with this chair, <laughs> and so sorry about that if it's bothering you. It, um, anyway, I am uh, also not a medical professional. I'm a high school math teacher, um, and I'm not going to talk about any of that, so don't worry, just in case you were wondering about that. But God, Fasting is a game of numbers. Best, yeah. Um, no, it is not. It's not no. Um, God, uh, God really spoke to me. The Holy Spirit really spoke to me. Uh, Matt's last message of, 20, of 2021 of last year, uh, he made, I can't remember his exact words. I was listening, but I can't remember his exact words. Um, but it was something about... Um, what does God want you to do? What is something God wants you to do this year? I just felt really, really clearly from the Holy Spirit that he wanted me to fast regularly. And I didn't, I didn't use the phrase systematic fasting, but that's since what Matt's been calling it. Um, so I'm still early on in the process, um, but I feel like God is, um, is teaching me a lot. Yeah, cool, awesome. Um, so, so as we kind of have this conversation, um, there's some things that I think are really important for us to recognize, partly because of the culture we live in and like uh, the, the, the environment that we live in. And, and I think one of the things that I really want to, because I think it is often ignored, but, but especially in the church as we pursue fasting, I want, I want us to have uh, an understanding of some of the difficulties and some of the hurdles and, and, and make sure that we are not pursuing. Again, one of the things that Jesus does in, in Matthew 6 and talks about all of these tools that he gives us is that there are rewards for participating and the rewards are relational. And each one of these things, with giving, with prayer, with fasting, he says, when you do it to focus on yourself or when you do it to impress others, you have your reward, which is those, people's, those people being impressed or maybe you being impressed with yourself. But he says, when you do it in the right way, then the reward is intimacy with Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about and we believe that this is important. So we live in a culture that is very food focused. Um, I mean, we have a food network on TV and that's not the only places you find food programs on. <laughs> They're everywhere. And, and we also live in a culture where we, I don't know, I think very few of us go without food, 
or wonder where our next meal is coming from. And um, so a couple things that I think are important. I, I kind of defined as I look through, through the Bible and, and what I think the Bible seems to put in the category of fasting is that fasting is pretty much food-focused, food-centric. That when we fast, it has to do with food. And, and, as I, and as I shared a few weeks ago, that I think abstaining from things is another, another piece of, of the bigger picture but that's other things than things other than food, um, and so I kind of defined it that way. That's not the only definition, but but in, in in my study and as I look at scripture, that's what I see. But there's also a, I think a complication that that brings because we live in a culture that, um, and I don't think this is gender specific. That people have very complicated uh, relationships with their body, the way they see themselves. Um, our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, all of those things are pretty complicated. And fasting can be something that, that can be very um, difficult and, and, and could lead us down a really difficult place if we go from the way we, we live in our culture. So Courtney, I think um, if you want to kind of share a little bit or, or kind of just touch on this idea, even just my definition of fasting, but, but also even just the, the, the things that have to do with even um, our relationship to food, our relationship with our own bodies, and even our mental and emotional, emotional capacity and health. So my, my first thing is I don't, I don't really love that definition of yes. fasting because I think it cuts out a significant amount of the, the population who could really benefit from a spiritual practice of like self-denial or something. So you have people with physical uh, issues where it's sort of like, I mean, you have diabetes or if there's yep. iron deficiency issues or if you have some kind of, you know, you have, we have some very clear health reasons that you cannot fast or if you're, if you're pregnant or nursing or, right, there's a lot of things. And so I hesitate because I think we oftentimes turn it into a comparison game of am I spiritual enough? And typically when you ask the question of enough, you're talking about shaming um, and you feel this sense of shame, like there's something wrong with me that I can't participate fully in what God's doing. That's not, that's, I don't think that's the case. So I think I get hesitant when we say it's food only. Yeah. Um, what I've loved is as I've done some preparation here, I've heard, uh, or I was reading an article that was talking about fasting is about um, denying your flesh what you yearn for, right? And so if that's what fasting is, denying your flesh of what it yearns for, if your flesh yearns for restriction and not eating, then denying your flesh would actually be eating appropriately, yeah. right? And so thinking about how, how are we practicing this for me and my body and the issues and the concerns and the, maybe the disordered eating or the food insecurities, that's the, the first kind of thing I think is important to think about. What is your flesh yearning for? And start there. Yeah, and, and I, I do not disagree with you. <laughs> I, I'm gonna live in this weird world where I think both things can be true. <laughs> um, that, that I, that I, but I, but I, I think your point is super important because um, about comparison even, because really when, if we get to this place with fasting where, where we're looking at other people and saying, well, why aren't you doing it? Or, or you should be doing it, or I'm doing it. Going back to Matthew 6, what's my reward there? My reward is that I now feel that I'm more spiritual than someone else. And that's all I get. I don't get intimacy with Jesus through fasting. Because if it's about me and how I'm looking, then that's important. And so I, I also think that what you said about um, if, 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 I'm, if I'm in a place where my flesh 
and my desire is to not eat, and, and that's, that's what I do, then maybe a, a thing that I should do, a thing, or not should, but maybe something that I may want to investigate is actually eating three appropriate meals as a sacrifice to God and as a way of trusting God for my, my welfare. So I, I think that's very, very good. And so, um, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think there's also, there's this sense of, so you shouldn't look for research on Google, but I did, right? And so if you look at body image issues or concerns, and this was specific to women, but I don't think it's only women, 91% um, of women have some concern with their body. 91%. And actually what research does show is that 10 to 15 minutes of scrolling on social media negatively impacts your body image significantly. 10 to 15 minutes. And if y'all get your screen like reports of how much screen time you've had, you're doing more than 10 to 15 minutes of scrolling, right? And so really understanding, if your first question when you're thinking about, oh yes, the Holy Spirit is calling me into fasting, and your first thought is, and this might be a great way to lose those last five pounds, probably don't. Like this isn't, so the phrase I was using, uh, this isn't the Jesus fast, this isn't him writing a blank check for you to be able to restrict. Um, and I think that's a real clear caution you need to think through for what is healthiest and best for your body, right? We are not just talking heads that happen to be tethered to flesh. Yeah. Our body is us and it is a temple and it's a gift God's given and health is so, so essential. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that's, that's really important to recognize. Again, I wanna keep going back to what Jesus says. So if, if, I, if I decide I'm gonna fast and I'm, I'm looking into this and I'm gonna fast and I say, I think I should fast, and I also at the same time think, okay, and um, I, needed, I needed to cut down, I need to get my eating in control anyway and I need to lose some weight and so maybe this will jumpstart my diet. Again, I, I think probably your reward in that is that you'll lose some weight. But I don't know that you'll know the heart of Jesus better. Um, in fact, in fact, kind of on a separate note, I, I think um, I, I was fasting one day early on and um, midway through the day, uh, I realized that I had not spent any more time focused on Jesus, but I had been really efficient that day and gotten more things accomplished. So I bailed on that fast that day. Because what I realized was, was I am not doing this to grow closer to Jesus. I am doing this today because I have a lot of stuff to do and I can be more efficient. Um, that, and my reward is efficiency that day. I don't believe that my reward was becoming deeper and more, more abiding in Jesus. And so I think that's really important to recognize. This isn't a, this first and foremost is about uh, becoming closer to Jesus and being able to, to have some focused time rather than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I had, uh, <clears throat> so I decided that Mondays was gonna be the day that I was going to fast and um, I was involved in just the whole thing about working out. So I was involved in this challenge gym thing and it was these certain days that I would go and I was like, well, I got, I'm supposed to go on Mondays, so I'm gonna go and... Um, and I got, it was like, it's one of those like high intensity things that you just burn a ton of calories all at once. And I didn't have any calories in me to burn. I mean, I had, I had stuff to burn, but I, I hadn't eaten. And, uh, and I, I got to the end of that, got, literally I got to the end and you know, there's mirrors everywhere. So I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, I think I'm going to pass out. 
because this, this, this was a bad idea. I should have thought this through a little bit more. And uh, for that time that I was in this uh, challenge thing, I, I switched my day. And that was okay. It was okay to switch my day. I felt perfectly fine about that. I felt perfectly at peace. I didn't feel like I was blaspheming the Holy Spirit by switching my day. Um, and it was a good lesson for me. One, to be wise with what I'm doing. Actually, I did it twice. To be honest with you, it happened twice. The second time is when... So <laughs> I guess I wasn't listening the first time, but the second teachers, time I was like... Teachers are notoriously the slowest learners. We, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, anyway... I made the switch, and, and I'm sharing that with you because you got to adjust sometimes, and it's okay to adjust. Uh, the key thing is, like you said, and I think we always have to go back to it, is this helping me become more like Jesus? Is this helping me uh, have a greater intimacy with Jesus? And, and I can switch a day for that. That's okay. Yeah. Well, even to that point, if you're doing this from a place of, well, I want to be closer to Jesus, and also I want to fix my body, I've come from a place of self-loathing or something too, I think... If you look at Jesus as his example, he, I, I say this often, he's the king of self-care. Like, homie was always walking away to go take a nap somewhere, right? Like, he was like, no, guys, sorry, no more healing people. I have other things I gotta do, like silence and solitude. So he had very clear boundaries around health and what healthy living looked like. And so I think it's important for us to think about our health when we're going into these spiritual practices. There was balance all over his life in that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, again, there's, there's things, there's that, that, that connection to our body. And really, um, because fasting, I think, again, in our culture, we think more about the mind, less about um, the value of the body. And so fasting, something that really does engage our bodies in a culture that we're so messed up, um, is something that, that there's a lot of kind of landmines. But um, I think also there's the, 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 the mental health, health piece of it and that kind of thing. You know, I, I think of, um, there's, re, there, there's, again, I think what Matt said is great of the idea of adjusting. Um, like if, if, I was, if I was taking medication that says take with food and I'm fasting, um, be wise <laughs> and take with food. That's okay. Um, again, is the point at the end of the day that you said, or whatever this fast is, that you say, oh, um, yep, I didn't eat anything and I'm proud of not eating anything. Yeah, like again, I did it. I did it. I got yeah. an A+. I did it. Wave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, take... Take some, take some food with your medication. That's okay. Um, it doesn't make you less spiritual. Well, and I think recognize too that, that the fasting could bring up other things for you as well. So the, the nature of food is that we need it to live, right? Like if you don't eat, eventually you die. And so it's a survival need. And that means that if you have a history of trauma, if you have a history of food insecurity, if you've got some anxiety or even some depression, some things like that, you also can trigger symptoms as a result of being hungry. So people with a history of trauma, your blood sugar changes and you can uh, lose, I call it flipping your lid, right? You lose the ability to like criti critical thinking and long-term planning and impulse control. Like you kind of lose that and go into fight, fight or freeze if you're hungry. And so even recognizing that and knowing and then the other thing too is that sometimes food is actually medicating feelings. And so if we're using food as a way to help us feel better about life and whatever we're struggling with, you take the food away and you're probably gonna uncover some things that you're not wanting to deal with, right? And so just be aware, be prepared, be thinking about that, be working with your therapist, your doctors, to really be thinking through what's the healthiest way to do this? Are there particular days that it's a better idea or not? Right? If it's a day where you've got a long day and you're worried about a short fuse with your family, let's be wise about how we're choosing to practice.
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think part of that, and I think the tension there, um, and even, even, even the idea of even defining fasting, but, but I think sometimes it is, it is a very real thing that fasting can, can bring out some of those things that, that, um, you might need to stop fasting because that has uncovered something that, uh, that you need a process of healing in and that that's where the Holy Spirit's directed you. But I think also at the same time, fasting will bring out, I think, sin habits in our lives. And so things that we need to deal with. So, so like, I, 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 I have a, a penchant toward anger. And so when I'm hungry, I, I more easily get angry. And that's not a trauma thing for me. That's actually a sin thing for me and a surrender thing for me. So fasting brings that out. And so I, what I don't wanna do is, is use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, I, I get angry when I fast and when I don't have food, so I, I'm, I'm not gonna fast. Um, actually, that's something that I think the Holy Spirit for me wants to work through me and in me to help me surrender in a deeper and more significant way my issues of control and anger and that kind of thing. So, so again, it's, it's a complex thing. And, and I think that's part of why Jesus says, um, when you fast, don't make a big deal of it, but, but do it in this way because it's not a comparison thing. It is a thing that has to do with growing to become more like Jesus and have greater intimacy with him. And so when he says this, it's not that fasting is secret and you can't let anyone know. It's the idea that you need to do it with the right motivation and the right attitude and perspective. And so sometimes it's actually good to bring community into your fasting um, uh, to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be fasting. Um, and, and it just depends. It could be with your 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 family, it could be with, uh, you know, your spouse, your roommate, it could be with your kids, it could be all those kinds of things, and there can be great benefit in that. Um, my son, my seven-year-old son came out one morning when I was praying, and uh, he wanted to sit down on the couch with me, and so I was, I, I was like, yeah, by all means, here, come out, I'm praying, let's pray together. Why, why would we not pray together? Why would I not pray with my seven-year-old son? Um, and then another morning, I think it was my other son, uh, came, he, it was way too early, and so I told him to go back to bed. But um, when they come out and they sit on the couch with me and I'm reading my Bible or I'm praying, like at no point would most of us be like, I need you to go away, I'm praying. Like we bring them in on that. So when it came to this fasting thing, uh, I, I was leaning towards the don't tell anybody. Don't, don't talk about it. Um, don't tell anybody because you don't want to make a big deal out of it. And um, I got first rule of fasting is don't talk about fasting. Don't talk about fasting. Yeah. <laughs> Which reminds but. me of don't talk about Bruno, not Fight Club. So just <laughs> FYI. I haven't watched either of those movies, but anyway, just kidding. Um, I have kids. I watched. I watched the other one. Um, so I got home and uh, I hadn't said anything to my wife. Got home. She had made a very nice dinner for our family. And I got in there and I looked at it and. Uh, I was just like, what, am I just not going to eat this? I, I, I thought to myself, I feel like this is going to be very uh, rude to my wife if I don't eat this. And so I was, sitting, I was standing in the kitchen looking at it, and I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm going to eat dinner with my family. I'm not going to have dessert, I'm, but I'm going to sit down and eat dinner. And I made a comment to her, and she was like, oh, I forgot. It's Monday. I forgot. You're not. And I was like, no problem. Again, it was just one of those things where it's like, one, I should have communicated. I should have said something because um, maybe she could be praying for me. 
Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? Uh, maybe even a friend praying for me. Maybe if we were doing it together, me and a friend were doing it together. Um, so I, I have learned, I have, I have learned, I'll be honest with you. Even when Matt came up and said, hey, would you come up and talk about this? My first thought was, no, no, you're not supposed to do that. And, uh, and that's, that's really where I think my, some of my flawed thinking went on the issue. Um, but there's been a lot of cool things that have happened. I've been able to have conversations with friends and we've been talking about stuff in my life, their life, and I've just brought up, hey, have you, have you thought about fasting about this? Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't have six months ago because this just wasn't really a thing, you know? Yet it's everywhere in the Bible and I'm telling you, you start reading the Bible and you just see it a lot more than you used to uh, when you start putting it in practice. So that, that was... That, that's been a cool thing. I think another really cool thing was with that seven-year-old son. So they were all having breakfast, and he's like, Dad, are you not eating breakfast? I'm like, no. And uh, my, my, my daughter was like, are you fasting today? And I was like, yeah. We left, we get home. My son's like, Dad, did your stomach growl today? And that was the biggest, that was the most important thing to him. He didn't care about anything else. He just was like, did your stomach growl today? I'm like, it did a couple of times. And he was like, did you want to eat? I'm like, yeah, I did want to eat, but here's what I did. And I told him, when my stomach growled, um, I thought about Jesus. I thought about how appreciative I am for him and that he has given me what I need to survive and I need him more than I need food. And whether or not that sunk in with his little heart at that point, I don't know. But eventually, I think it's going to, I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. So we didn't talk about this the first service, but we think about discipline often as punishment. Like we commingle that when we're talking parenting, but when we talk about spiritual discipline, they're practices that we put into place. And, and the most uncomfortable thing to think about even as a parent is you're actually creating disciples of you by how you're working with your kids. So by practicing these things and being open, not bragging of, oh, look at how holy I am, but being open about the spiritual practices you have, you start to create smaller versions of you. And, and that's uncomfortable and also really cool, right? But discipline, the, the root word is disciple. It's not about punishment so much as it is creating space to teach in a clear way. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's really cool. I, and I think that's, I think one of the things we have to recognize is, is fasting, part of it is communal in the sense that, you know, we, we, we ask people to pray for us all the time, don't we? And oftentimes when, when you ask someone to pray for you, it's a little bit like a, it's a little a bit of a wobbler because you're kind of like, are you really gonna pray for me? Or, you, you know, I mean, are you gonna follow through? If maybe they'll remember, maybe they won't. But asking somebody to pray for you is a pretty easy ask, isn't it? Because the way, the way we sometimes look at that is I can just shoot one up to Jesus in a second and say, yeah, I prayed for you this week. Um, but what if, but again, that's kind of some of the things we need to work on. But has anyone ever thought to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna ask my, my friend or, or, or someone like that, I'm gonna, I, you know, hey, this Saturday, um, I, just, I just need wisdom or I need, I'm working through something or I've just been, I've just really been hurting lately and Saturday I'm gonna fast lunch and I'm wondering if you would join me. Like if I said to Matt, I said, hey Matt, this Saturday I'm gonna fast because I've just been really struggling with something and I'm wondering if you'd be willing to fast with me on Saturday over lunch. It doesn't mean we have to be together, but just skip lunch and spend that time praying and seeking God for this and, and being, doing that together. And man, what an awesome thing to be able to invite someone into that together. Um, I don't know, I, I, 
do, do we care for each other enough to be willing to do something like that? And again, that's not a guilt thing of sometimes we can't, and that's okay. Um, because again, the, the primary thing with fasting is intimacy with Jesus. There's a lot of other benefits to it as well. Um, when I was even thinking too about how when you talk about like the urge to eat comes up, you, you feel hungry and then you redirect that urge towards talking to Jesus, towards, towards your relationship there. The interesting thing is you're creating inroads in your brain. You're creating an off-ramp from your typical just go with what I want and you're creating an off-ramp to go, okay, I want something, let me check in with Jesus. Like you're creating this off-ramp that actually builds habits in our brain. And so it's kind of a muscle that you're starting to exercise of that self-discipline muscle, um, which is a pretty cool outcome, I think, in how our brain operates and the neurons and how they build. And you know, we, and I think that kind of brings us to this place of, we, we live in a culture and a society where, where discomfort is bad. It's wrong, it's terrible. And so everything that we've built around us is to eliminate discomfort from our lives. But we know <laughs> that if a person never, never is, is confronted with difficulty or pain or discomfort, they're gonna be a pretty terrible person. And so, and so discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing in life. In fact, we know it builds character. It builds our integrity. It builds who we are. It gives us depth. But there is a difference between discomfort and harm. God, God will work and walk his people through discomfort. God does not want to harm us. And so I think one of the things we have to recognize is, is the difference between those two things. Because if I'm fasting and I end up in the hospital every time I fast... I'm not doing it well. <laughs> That's harm. And I should not be fasting that way. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, Courtney, just part of it is, I mean, discomfort or, or those kinds of things, those are significant and important. So if you can kind of speak on that a little bit. Sure, yeah. I think, so first of all, learning doesn't happen without discomfort, period. If you don't know something, you feel uncomfortable until you learn it, right? Like there's this element of you're stressed, you're, you're tense, you're learning. Discomfort creates learning. So in counseling, a lot of times we'll talk about the distress tolerance of a person. And so if you are so um, anxious that you can't think through things or really be able to like engage that critical thinking part of your brain, you're not gonna actually retain or learn very much. So we have to keep you activated enough so we can learn, right? Like a little bit of that tension or stress, but not so much that it's gonna flip your lid is kind of the language I use. Um, and so that's a, that's a tricky window to figure out and I think it can widen with practice. But feeling discomfort is not actually a bad thing. It tells us something. Like it points us back to something. Um, and so I think if we avoid discomfort all the time, we're probably indulging a lot of unhealthy mechanisms. So maladaptive coping strategies that we talk about, right? But when we're avoiding discomfort, we're actually not engaging in the learning. And so I think that's an important thing. Harming would be it's disrupting your world. You're sleeping more than you should or not enough. You're having, you know, psychiatric stuff going on. So whether it's, you know... Um, just different kinds of intrusive thoughts or memories or feeling triggered. There's a lot of things that can indicate. I would also add listening to your community around you. If your community around you is concerned about your practice of fasting, listen, right? That's uncomfortable if people are saying, hey, I'm worried about you on this. Mm -hmm. But you gotta listen because they're the ones who love you and who know you best. Yeah. You used a big word th right there. <laughs> what was the word again? Which one? Oh, wow. <laughs> No, I sometimes do that on accident. Is it, it was the maladaptive coping? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I thought it was that one. Yeah. <laughs> I understood it. This I, Matt understood it, but I, that Matt so didn't. Sorry. I can't even spell it, but um, <laughs> I was, you made the comment about the getting into practice, right? Um, I don't think we uh, practice dependence on the Lord on a day-to-day basis because most of us don't need to in America, okay? I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying a lot of us, we have enough. We have more than what we need and we have most of what we want. And some of us have way more than we even want. And that's one thing that um, the Holy Spirit has really communicated on me is um, a lot of time, unless there's something really big going on, really big day-to-day life stuff, do you really rely on me for things that you need? Because if you need food, you have it, or you can go buy it. If your car breaks down, you have money in your savings account. You can go get it fixed. Um, And I feel like he said, I want you to practice relying on me. Because at some point, and we don't know when, at some point, we're all going to have to. Um, What that looks like, I don't know, but I I know it's going to happen. I know at some point, I will not be able to literally get through a situation in my life without him. I would like to already know what I'm going to do before I get there. And, and for me, that's, that's practicing because um, I'm a cross-country coach. If you don't practice, when the race comes, you're not going to do very well. You might not finish, right? I, I want to finish, but I don't, don't want to just finish. I want to finish having, having had dependence on the Lord that whole time. Yeah, and, and I think, again, because of the, the world that we grow up in, and this isn't true for everyone on the globe, but for us, because there's so many mechanisms that are available to us to eliminate discomfort, I think it's interesting, and I, and I, I, would, I would maybe even suggest this is, this is uh, the enemy's plan for our culture, is that we, we don't even talk about fasting. We eliminate fasting from a discipline that we do regularly because it keeps us from stepping into that discomfort and the denial of ourselves. So when we hear Jesus say, um, everyone who wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, we don't know what denying ourselves is. And fasting can, can get us into that area of self-denial in a, in a way that draws us closer to Jesus and impacts our ability to experience discomfort and begin to grow. Um, and, and, and so um, uh, one, one of the things you, you were reading um, and, and you were sharing the other day. Yeah, like a week, a week in like January, beginning of January, uh, the Young Marriage Group was doing, uh, going through a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, uh, which after talking to some people who like my, my mom, my in-laws are like, oh yeah, he... He was a big deal years ago, and I'm like, I've, I've never heard, never read the book. So I, I read this book, and it talked about a lot of different, um, as he's stating them, all these things that like, oh, these are, these are like common spiritual disciplines. Reading your Bible, praying, those are ones that we all know of. Fasting, we'd have heard of, but, uh, uh, but there's a lot of them in there that I just never, never even known of or thought of, to be honest with you. It was very, very interesting. Good book. Um, and... Um, in his portion of fasting in there, he, um, he makes a comment about the systematic fast, the systematic fast, having fasting be a routine part of your life. And he really, I could tell he was encouraging that for believers. Um, 
And he said, if he didn't say this, this is what I, this is what I took from it anyway, was if you only fast when things get bad, um, it can almost equate to only praying when things get bad or only reading your Bible when things get bad. And is, is it still good to pray and read your Bible? Of course, of course it is. Um, but at a certain point, we're really making a transaction with, with God at that point. Like, okay, God, I need something from you. I didn't need something last week, but this week I need something. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna get really close with you. And then um, he takes care of the issue and we go right back to what we were doing before, right? And then we wonder when these things happen, oh, why did the, oh, it's just, it's crazy, this keeps happening. Well, I think we all know they're gonna keep happening, right? These things are gonna keep happening in our lives, in our country, in our world. These things are gonna keep happening. And he said, if you, if you wanna see the greatest benefit from fasting, make it a routine part of your life. And uh, that, I thought I was really, I was encouraged by that one. And, um, yeah. and it was really convicting for me. Well, and I was thinking too, so again, like sort of brain science side, we have a relaxation system in our body. And one of the things that we're not always very good at is teaching it to relax when we already are relaxed. But there's actually a big benefit. It's kind of like a muscle. And so if you're only doing your deep breathing or doing sort of these coping skills that you're trying to manage anxiety, if you're only doing that when you're relaxed or when you're anxious, you're not seeing a full benefit. Um, being in a space of discomfort where you're not panicked, but you're you have some discomfort and you're teaching your body to relax at that time. So feeling a hunger pain and relaxing through it instead of running to meet the urge, right? Uh, that's actually teaching your body. So that's, that's why things like, you know, we hear about cold showers being good for depression and anxiety. It's because you're standing, you're really uncomfortable and you're teaching your body to relax anyway. Right, And so there's a d dynamic of teaching your body to be okay in discomfort that can be really good even if it's a hunger pain. So maybe it isn't that you're fasting yet. Maybe that is something that's bringing up triggers for you, but maybe it's something that you just make yourself wait five minutes, right? When you have the hunger pain and just teaching yourself to sit through the urge before you meet that need. Um, and so there can be some really good benefits even to teaching your body how to do that. Yeah, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I'm just saying that's, an, that's like delayed gratification almost. Yeah. It's just another, it's very un-American, right? Delayed gratification. If we want something, let's go get it. If we don't have the money, let's put it on a credit card. Um, I, I would say yeah. fasting falls into it. You can watch whatever you want it. instantly. You can yeah. look up information with the drop of a hat. You can watch something happening on the other side of the world in three seconds on your phone. So we are not very good always at pausing. Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I think what, what, you know this idea of this idea of like rhythmic or or systematic fasting um, is is significant because again, um, hopefully you you have a rhythm of prayer. Hopefully you have a rhythm of reading the Bible. Hopefully you don't just read the Bible when you want some information. Hopefully you don't just pray when you need something from God. Um, and I think that's true of fasting that we don't just fast when we feel like we're up against the wall for something. And 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 a couple of things that kind of really hit me on this. Um, and maybe in practical ways and maybe even um, um, insightful ways, I think a practical thing even when, we, we don't always know when a difficult time's coming into our lives, but some difficult times we do know. If there's something in our life that has happened and, and we know around this time, man, I just hit the wall. Um, I know I'm gonna need, and, and oftentimes we go to our communities and we say, hey, can you be praying for me because this date or day or this season is coming up? Um, 
what if, and I was just thinking about this, what if, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's, if it's wise or not for a person, if they've got, you know, this date coming that is a, a, a day that is historically difficult for them. I don't know if fasting that day is the best plan, but what if leading up to that and saying, and even involving your community and say, asking a few good friends or a spouse or some family or something like that to say, hey, um, this date's coming up and we're a week out. I'm, I'm gonna fast in, in surrender and preparation for that. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to do that with me. Um, I, I wonder if, if that is almost like making a deposit for when you know that's coming and you're gonna really need to rely on Jesus that day. And not only you, but other people in your life have also made that same deposit for that day. Um, I don't know, that feels like the way the body should work. That feels like the way that Jesus people, the people of Jesus should, should come together. Um, another thing that this really brought up for me when, when we were talking and you were talking about that, um, that rhythmic, that systematic fasting, um, I, I, I don't know anyone on any level who hasn't been disappointed in the last couple years. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone can honestly say of themselves, I've reacted in the last two years exactly how I wanted to react and I have consistently brought glory to Jesus. <laughs> um, here's my question though, something to think about. I can't help but wonder if the North American church, the church here in our country, our church, what if previously to the pandemic, what if we really did step into and value Jesus' call to fast, his expectation to fast? What if we had rhythmic fasting before that? Do you think we would have thought reacted and behaved differently during the pandemic and all that it held if we were a fasting people. Um, what do you think about that, Matt? Definitely. Um, when I look back at my own behavior over the last couple of years, I surprisingly shut my mouth more than I normally would have. I, 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 have, a, I have a decent amount of opinions on things. And uh, when all this came out, what do you think about this? What do you think about this person? This president, governor, this person, school district. I mean, I, I normally am all, I, I got something to say about it. And uh, it surprises I, me about yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I found myself doing the opposite. I just didn't want to talk about it. I, I was so uh, annoyed with things I was hearing and conversations and people and this. I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. Um, looking back, I don't know if that was necessarily the best thing for me to do. Um, so what do I think would have changed? What I've noticed in the last couple of months for me is um, Tuesday night I was at this meeting and uh, we, were, we, were, we were talking about something and a thought came into my head. And I thought to myself, I think this is, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the Holy Spirit. And I waited about 45 minutes and I felt just as strongly 45 minutes later, I'm like, this has got to be the Holy Spirit. And I spoke up and said something, okay? Now, the outcome of that didn't really matter, right? What mattered was I felt like I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit and I acted on it. Um, I can't, I, I don't think that's been true in every area of my life, my whole life. Okay, that came out wrong, but anyway. Um, 
I feel like I can hear the Holy Spirit clearer now than I did a year ago. And I really like it. And even, even at the end of last year when I'm sitting in church, um, months prior, I, for the first time in my life, I got into a rhythmic uh, spending time with the Lord, which I hate that it was for the first time in my life that it's been that rhythmic, but it hasn't. And I woke up, uh, I woke up most of my life with my dad reading his Bible in uh, drinking a cup of coffee in his chair. And so I saw it and I knew it was beneficial, but I hadn't acted on it in my life. And, and I did months ago. And I think because of that, I am just hearing the Holy Spirit differently in my life. If we were around two years, I felt like I would have hold, heard the Holy Spirit in my life differently. Um, and I think my perspective on things would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Courtney? I, I think probably. I think we as a body would have been different. Yeah. Um, you know, I think back to, I remember at the beginning of like 2020, the pandemic, um, what I remember is uh, hearing the phrase, the, the quote, pressure makes us more of what we already are. That pressure brings out what's already inside. And I wonder what would have been different because I think we don't generally have a practice of self-denial right? We may have denial for other reasons, but we don't have a practice of self-denial. If we even think, uh, so there's a, a researcher who wrote about mindsets when you have different levels of like wealth or, or have grown up in um, impoverished settings and poverty. And uh, she had some problematic methodology, but she did talk about food in an interesting way. So she said that um, if you grow up in a place of not having a lot and, and not having money or being in poverty, the question you ask yourself about food is often, did I get enough? Right? So that's the question you ask yourself if you've grown up in that space. Um, if you have grown up in a space of middle class where you've generally had everything that you've needed, your question that you ask about food is, did I like it? Right? If you've, if you've had all of whatever you wanted and you've had everything you like, generally, so in a, in a space of wealth or whatever, the question would be, did it look nice? Was it presented well? Right? And so we think about even how we look at food and it tells us a little bit about like that core fear or that core like feelings that we've had around have we had what we need. So I just, I'm curious. I'm curious what would have come out of us under pressure if we'd had practicing of what it feels like to be in need or, or in denial of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, that's, that's, I think that's really insightful. Um, that when, when Courtney shared with me a while ago that, that idea of those things of um, did I get enough? Um, did I like it? Was it presented well? Um, gosh, that just felt really, really um, insightful and uh, uncomfortable, painful. And yeah, well, because when you think about it, think about um, the most popular shows, and many of them are food shows. And what are the food shows about? They're about presentation. Isn't that interesting? Um, and, and, and so I, I don't know. It just, it just makes me think that, you know, we're, Again, we are in this place where, and we've, most of us, and again, not everyone, and, and I don't know, I mean, I know that there are stories represented in this room or people who are watching that um, they've experienced um, difficult times and they've experienced um, want, um, but we are rarely, if ever, in a position of want in our lives. Um, and I can't help but wonder, because uh, I think back to Psalm Psalm 23, where the first thing it says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. Um, 
Basically what David's saying there is that we have needs, but, but looking to and trusting in, in God as our shepherd, we will not be in want. And here's the thing for us that's probably pretty true. We are never in want and we don't need a shepherd because of what we've kind of put around our lives. And so I think in that context, I think fasting is one of the primary ways that we can experience want and pursue the shepherd. And, and, and so I think that's really significant for our culture. I, when I think back to myself and people that I know and, and big things, big church, all of that stuff, I, I can't help but wonder and, and think that the church would look different. And I think if we as a people of God had a rhythmic, systematic fasting that was established well before the pandemic, I actually think the church maybe would have led our nation and our world through the pandemic, but I don't believe it did. And I think there's a correlation to our pursuit of intimacy with Jesus, particularly through fasting. And that's why I think this is, this is so important. I think it's important too, like when I hear you say that, um, it, it, it's easy to be like, bummer, like I missed the boat on that one or we missed the boat on that one um, and to leave it at that. And I think it's important. I, I think for me, I think it's important for us and I want to be involved in a church body where we're like, okay, you know what? Is something gonna happen again? It is. Scripture's pretty clear. It's not gonna get better it, it, it's going to get worse, and I, I want to be ready for it. I want to be ready um, as, as God's people for that, and, um, and just getting back to it, we, we need, one, he calls us to it. That should be enough, but two, I think there's a lot of just logical thought through this process that if this makes sense, we, we, need, we need to be ready. We need to prepare ourselves for what's coming tomorrow and what's coming in the future. Well, and I would say that's using the discomfort of going, oh, I'm not proud of the last couple of years. And it's using that discomfort towards learning, right? And I think, again, if you're here and you're going, well, I guess I'm not spiritual enough because I can't fast because I can't fast from food, let me remind you, and as a community, let us remind ourselves that that is not how this goes. That's not actually what this is about. You're not less than, as a Christian, like, oh, bummer, you missed the mark, you're a B. B plus, not A, right? Like that's not what this is, but this is about listening to the voice of God and what he's calling you to do with your fasting practice, whatever that is, whether it's food or whether it's other things, right? Um, But it's what is his voice telling you to do with it and listening well. Um, And I think when we're in a place of deep shame, most of the time the voice we're listening to is actually not the Holy Spirit's. And so it's really learning to decipher those, that the, I call them shame gremlins, that the shame gremlins are not the voice of God. And so how are you defining fasting is between you and God ultimately. Yeah, Um, I super appreciate you guys being willing to share and spend this time together. Um, I wanna kind of wrap up um, a little bit, just even our series this morning, and and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. And we just wanna do a, a, a few minutes of just kind of doing some reflecting and some just worshiping through song together. Um, as I said at the beginning, um, while our series on intimacy with Jesus, close and faithful, is, is we're finishing today, we're not close to being done with becoming intimate with Jesus. 
And so my challenge to you right now is, is um, are, are there, I would, I would ask you to, this today, before you leave, what, what is even one thing that, um, that you need to do, start doing, um, that, that maybe you're not doing that, that will bring you to a greater degree of intimacy with Jesus? The Apostle Paul, in three different letters, he, he talks about, he calls us to walk worthy. Um, in Ephesians 4, he says, um, I urge you to walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Colossians 1, he says, um, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you to and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and his glory. I, I think that Jesus has given us and the Bible has given us specific, a lot of things, but very specifically four practices that will enable us to walk worthy of our calling. Um, meditating on scripture, giving and praying and fasting. Um, I, I, I actually believe that um, scripture teaches that we will not be transformed, we will not find intimacy with Jesus without, the, without practicing these kinds of things. Um, you could, for your whole life, you could be on the right side of every argument, stand up for every right thing, and if you do not know Jesus with the breadth and depth and intimacy that he calls us into, it doesn't matter that you are on the right side of things because you weren't intimate with Jesus. That is the most important thing. And so he's given us tools. We grow by tra the transformation of our minds and our hearts and our bodies, all of those things. And he's given us tools to become close and faithful to him. So as we kind of reflect, as you've got some time to think, and I would just encourage you not to leave this morning without saying, okay, look, I, I typically only go to the Bible for information. I need to go to the Bible for intimacy. I need to change my rhythm of seeking God in his word. Maybe it's prayer that maybe you only pray before meals and that's sufficient and it can be predicted what you'll say and you go on autopilot. Take a step back. And again, if you give out of duty or obligation, make that transition to giving out of, out of wanting to be more intimate with Jesus, participating in the work he's doing. And again, if you are at a place where you are really struggling and saying, man, I just, I just am always defending myself, my rights and all of this, and I, and I, and I just have a hard time with, with, with my, my lack of, of, of limiting myself, step into fasting. But you make, let the Holy Spirit guide you into that. Um, let me pray for us, and we're gonna, we're gonna close in singing and, and just doing some reflection. Father, we, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for... Um, your spirit's leading. I thank you for Matt and Courtney that they were able and willing to share, Father. I, I pray that as we go forward, God, I pray that you would help us to be a people, a church, followers who are intimate with you, Jesus. That we know you deeply. That we experience your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your power in our lives. And we would always recognize that the, that the, that the reward for our behavior, for our thinking, we've gotta be pursuing that reward as relationship with you first and foremost. Thank you, Jesus, for your encouragement. 
and your perseverance with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.